This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. Today, we're joined by Hari Morthy, Global Head of Transaction Banking here at Goldman Sachs. Over the past two years, Hari has overseen the build-out of an entirely cloud-based transaction bank that's going to launch tomorrow, Tuesday, June 16th. In this episode, we'll be talking about the opportunities in the transaction banking space, what it's been like building the platform in-house, the impact of COVID-19 on accelerating banking technology demand from corporates, and much, much more. Hari, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jake. So let's start with just a little bit of explanation. What is transaction banking? Why it's been slow to modernize in some respects? Banking technology is pretty intuitive and transparent for consumers, but it's taken longer for corporates to modernize. Why is that? That's a great question. So if you think about transaction banking at its simplest possible level, it's an ability for somebody to bank, to keep their deposits, make their payments, and get their receipts. As you correctly say, this is one of the founding principles on how the modern banking had come about, right? All of the consumers use checking account and they set up their bill pay and they make the payments. The difference between consumers and corporates is one that of complexity, right? So each of us has a bank account and we probably you know, get our direct deposits from our salary and we pay out somewhere between 30 to 40 bills a month. It's to our household, it is fairly simple and straightforward. Whereas imagine a corporate having tens of hundreds of entities and hundreds and thousands of bank accounts across multiple countries, receiving payments in some cases from their clients in tens and millions, and sending out payments to hundreds of currencies across hundreds of countries. So the sheer complexity around it is just magnificent. And historically, the fintechs and the banks had modernized the consumer experience because in some ways, the, the problem is one that of scale, meaning the number of consumers, but the simplicity is in making it easy for consumers to use it. Whereas for this to be simple for corporates, the fintechs need to have a huge balance sheet and very good relationships with corporates. And historically, they lacked it. Therefore, you can see the so the lagging of using modern technology in this area compared to many other consumer areas. So Goldman has its roots in investment banking, uh, wasn't a commercial bank. So we were a little slow to get to this space. This has not been our space with corporate clients. Why has the firm seen an opportunity in transaction banking and decided to go so active right now? So the clients wanted us to be in this business, right? At the beginning of this business, I remember talking to somewhere between 100 to 200 clients. And I know the firm spoke to hundreds of clients even before they brought me over to, to sort of lead this program. And the feedback from clients are very clear in that they want a modern banking solution to modernize their treasury and position it more offensively as opposed to playing defense. And the existing participants in this industry had no reason to modernize it if they are already owning 50 to 60% of the revenue pie of this industry. So as I said earlier, there needs to be a provider that needs to have strong technology background, a good risk management practice, a strong balance sheet, and more importantly, a credible client relationship. And that existed Goldman Sachs for that purpose. Just even if you think about five years ago, right, the technology has not evolved to the point where it is today. So 100% of what we did was completely on cloud. 
And the amount of security that we have today wasn't available just about three to four years ago. And the availability of data, using the data to modernize, to provide insights to our clients and make it easy for them to run their treasury, it's the right time, right place, and the right firm to do it. I know within GS, we worry about us being late. From an industry perspective, this is the right time because we leapfrogged and we skipped a whole generation of technology and we went to the next generational technology. And that's the real sort of beauty of the solution. So you worked at Goldman before that you left, you rejoined in 2018 when this project was just getting underway and you've been with it ever since. Talk about the, the, the fundamental decision to build it entirely in-house versus just buying an existing platform. So if you look at the market today as it exists, the market has an inadequate technology in terms of what the clients can use. There is a big lack of APIs, lack of using big data, and lack of using good, high-quality security protocols. So even if we wished, there wasn't a provider that had all of the things that we were looking for in providing this modern platform. So one of the founding principles of how we thought about building this is we would do anything that's differentiated, anything that is meaningful, anything that's new in-house, anything that is consumerized, anything that is already commercialized off the shelf, we would look to either buy a partner. So this is not sort of saying we would do everything from scratch. Where there are credible tools and technologies and innovations have happened, we would absolutely embrace them. But doing this organically meant that we had an ability to put every brick on that wall in a very reasonable, concise way, and that will cater to our clients absolutely. And then the final thing I would add, Jake, is before we embarked on this project, we've spoken to roughly about 200 clients, and we were obsessed about listening to our clients and client feedback, which meant if you were to get an external provider or external set of systems, that may not cater to what our clients want. Since we want to cater to our clients in a very meaningful fashion, we went with what we thought to be the right build, which is to do it in-house. So you obviously have an engineering background. Talk about what it actually takes from a tech build perspective to launch this mostly from scratch. I mean, using a couple of existing platforms, but to build this in-house in the space of just 24 months. If you look at the best disruptions happen in the digital companies in the last 20 years, those disruptions happened through technologists applying the technology to that business problem in a meaningful manner and in a very controlled manner and in a highly secured way, and obviously bringing in a diverse group of leaders and team together. So that's exactly what we've done in TXP in that, although this is a technology play, we have been super clear on our mission. We spoke to a lot of clients, and in fact, we were so obsessed with our client feedback, we spoke to not only 200 clients, but we went and designed our whole user interface on a human-centered design basis. Our clients were very vocal, and they decided what features they wanted and what they did not want. And one of the beauties of doing this in-house is obviously figuring out what clients didn't tell you, but they thought about it, and if we did something, that they would like it. So that required a many iterations for us to do it, test it with them, and see if this is what they meant or if the, another solution that would exist that will satisfy their needs. And remarkably, what we have done is to assemble a team of about 350 people that included industry experts in transaction banking, high-quality fintech and technology folks, as well as what the best of GS can offer. So it's the combination of all three constituencies that created the TXP team. 
But it takes a village to deliver something like TXP. So it's just not the TXP team alone, Jake, that delivered it. It is quintessentially the best of what GS could offer. So every federation team was involved. We had deep partnerships with global markets, especially with FX. We had partnerships with our MBD teams. We took a huge portion of learnings from Marcus and the launch of Marcus. And needless to say, we had huge support across the investment banking division with every fellow partner of ours helping in with their client conversations, as well as sort of bringing us to their clients. So I just want to give a huge shout out to the team in TXP. You know, this sort of work is not possible without a huge amount of creativity and a tight focus on keeping our end site in view and delivering it. Two thirds of the transaction banking team is external to Goldman Sachs. I'm super impressed by how they all embraced Goldman Sachs and even more impressive is how Goldman Sachs embraced them. So I would like to sort of thank each and every one of the team members in transaction banking for working as hard as they did and delivering as high quality as they have done. So from a strategic perspective, how did you make sure you were building the platform that the clients wanted and where there was space sort of when you look at the competition? You, you talked a couple of times about all the interviews you did. What else did you hear from the clients that made you convinced that you could build something where there would be demand? That's actually a fantastic question, Jake. The reason I say that is that clients have been remarkably consistent in their feedback. So I'll give you a few anecdotes that will sort of ground this idea. It takes roughly about 30 to 60 days to open a bank account for many corporates. That's after sending quite a lot of FedEx papers and UPS papers. So it was very clear to us, if we had to develop something, it has to be modern, it has to be digital, and we need to make it easy for our clients to operate our technology for their efficiency. And we needed to do it in such a way we don't lower the quality of our controls or regulatory threshold. So out came a product where now we could credibly open a bank account under 10 minutes, perhaps in many cases much lower than that. So compare that with 30 days to 60 days, it clearly got a lot of appeal to our clients. And we rapidly onboarded quite a lot of clients in a very short period of time and created their accounts in that platform as well. As I said, human-centered design is a core part of what we did. And above all, we not only cater to our clients to whom we can actually provide cash management or transaction banking, but we also created a financial cloud where we could cater to their clients, meaning a client's clients, whether it's a business or a consumer, we could enable them to go and actually cater to their needs. So our partnership is not only catering to our clients on a direct sales basis, but also having a financial cloud to be able to provide solutions using APIs to integrate into their systems for their business processes. That makes our solution so unique in the industry, and every client that we have spoken to welcomes that idea. So you've referenced a couple of times building it in the cloud. It's a cloud-only transaction bank or TXB, as you call it. What were some of the challenges of doing that since it hadn't been done before? You know, upholding high standards in terms of controls, upholding the values the firm has in terms of security, protecting the client's data, and having very clear segregations of duties and roles and responsibilities carved out and making sure that we are catering with the highest quality to our clients. I wouldn't say we didn't have hiccups at all, but we expected hiccups to be on a daily basis. So in other words, we had more hiccups than what we thought we would have. 
So one of the things that we had very early on is a set of rituals. Every day morning, we had a stand-up with the engineering team. They would bring all their issues. Then we had a stand-up with the operations team that they would bring their issues. Then we had a stand-up at the end of the day with our client-facing team that they would actually bring up their issues. So within a 24-hour period, we would actually spend like 20 minutes each. Every day, we would get to know the top issues for that day, that week, that month, that year. And what it allowed us to do is to sort of prioritize what is more important and how do we actually shape our strategy and our execution based on the most important issues as well as our goals. And through the osmosis process of sort of prioritizing, we ended up addressing most of the high quality security issues and concerns and hiccups very early on in the project. So you're launching tomorrow, but you in some ways expected to have a, some clients that you could test this out with, but you actually have 175 corporate clients on the platform already, way more than you expected. Explain how COVID-19 might have had an impact on accelerating the need for these kinds of services. Well, as you say, we didn't expect to have so many clients, but at the same time, when the clients wanted us, we were available for them, right? So through the crisis, as the inflow of U.S. dollars increased, you know, that's a safe haven for many of the corporates to keep their cash in U.S. dollars, they were looking to open bank accounts. And as I said earlier, very many of them took somewhere between 30 days to 60 days. And we were available to open accounts and clients found it easy to work with us. And we have numerous clients' testimonials telling us how great we were in opening accounts and making it easy for them to work with us and catering to their needs in the need of you know, their time. So it took us by surprise, but we were able to rapidly create about 175 relationships in a very short order. Um, but I wouldn't say they are new relationships to the firm. They are existing relationship in other parts of the firm where they, they have created a new partnership with our transaction banking. And um, look, that journey still continues, right? COVID is just one of many things that will happen in our client journey. And we are very fortunate that we could serve our clients and we were able to sort of provide the right answer at the right time. And we will continue to sort of have the journey with them. So tomorrow's launch in summary is actually bringing in all of these products that we launched every quarter. So we have launched about five or six products so far, bringing it all in one single package to our clients in the US. And subsequent to the US, we are also planning to launch in UK and Europe over the course of next 12 to 18 months. So we are super excited to talk to our clients tomorrow. Okay, so that, that partly answers my next question, which is what's next? What are the other geographies? You mentioned Europe, UK, obviously. What are you thinking about in terms of a forward path? So we also have ambitions in Asia. But frankly, Jake, just like everything that we have done so far, we have a viewpoint, obviously, but we listen to our clients. If there's strong feedback, our clients that sort of guide us to the right answers, we would go there. We would also obviously continue to enhance our products, make investments, making it easier and more customized to each of our clients. So that point is very important, Jake, right? We want to customize, we want to standardize our offering internally, but we have a single platform and that will still be customized for each one of our clients' needs. Um, unlike creating a platform for every client, because obviously it will be unsustainable and it will have low quality of service. So that's what we'll end up focusing for the next few months. So I mentioned before, this is your second stint at Goldman. You joined originally in 2007 and then rejoined in, in 2018. Give us a little, just a little history of the trajectory of your career inside and outside uh, Goldman. 
Sure. So I personally spent the first 11 years of my career in fintechs and startups. I had my own startup in, you know, dot-com days. You know, I mean, we don't need to talk about it right now. So, you know, <laughs> what, what would have happened to that? And then I joined Goldman in 2007, first time. I remember the date, December 13th, and I went to the prime brokerage area. Um, you know, that's right before the crisis had began in 2008. So that one year of crisis taught me a lot more about the financial products, financial markets, and capital markets, and frankly, created a lot of relationships in that span of like about eight to 12 months that those folks continue to be my friends even today. And so through the sort of my fintech days and startup days, you know, you, you are trained to be jack of all trades. But coming to Goldman and subsequently going to JP Morgan taught me the idea of a control and organizational mandate and having a very clear views and bringing teams together. So the subsequent 10 years, I spent time in both these firms. I learned a lot. So when I brought to transaction banking in 2018, it's an ability to sort of bring a 360 team. And, and that is fantastic from my perspective because we not only have a, an engineering team, but we have a product team, we have sales team, we have an operations team. And having those 360 teams and leveraging everybody to sort of bring in what they are good at and bringing that cognitive diversity across geographical footprints is massive. And honestly, that's the biggest lesson I've learned in the last 22 years before I started TXP. Okay, so that's a terrific overview of, uh, of your career in, in transaction banking. I wanted to close with one final question about you lead a weekly meditation with your team. How did that start and, and what role do you think mental health plays in building a, a good team? Absolutely. Uh, look, I, I took on to meditation when I was in early teens. And just like any good teen would do it, I dropped it. And then I rediscovered that again in my early 20s. And, you know, it's been, what, 24 years. I've been diligent about doing it every day, morning and evening, somewhere between an hour and two. So it keeps me very calm and keeps me sane. And, you know, some of the best ideas that come about during those times for me personally. Um, so this is not something I publicly discussed prior to this. And sometime in like early 2019, when we were sort of in the middle of TXP, somebody asked me, hey, what's your pastime? Or what's the thing that you haven't told anybody? I happen to mention, look, I'm a meditator. And somebody said, hey, we should probably do it. We should try it out. So we said, okay, fine. Every Friday, we will do it at 3 p.m. So I remember the very first time, and I didn't expect, I expect like a couple of people to be sitting around in a room. And it's a big room. There were 50 people sitting. And then they told me there's a 30 people sitting in a waiting list. And they would open up the subsequent weeks. So we've been doing that for every week, uh, more or less, for the last uh, year and a half. It's been a lot of fun. Look, I actually think meditation is very useful in terms of mental health and fostering a sense of purpose. But it's well beyond that. It actually fosters a team culture. And when you have a team that's actually motivated to do certain things together, it creates that bond, that invisible bond. It sort of blurs quite a lot of lines in our ability to sort of overlook what you know we might actually think of as uh, defects or issues with each other. So if it blurs the line and tries to look at the positives of what others bring to the table. So it's an effective tool in managing personal and more importantly, professional situation. As you can imagine, I'm, I'm a big vocal supporter of this. Yeah. So how has it changed or is it sort of proceeded the same in the era of Zoom? It's been proceeding the same era of Zoom, but obviously we have more newcomers 
and our team has grown incrementally over a period of last year and a half. You know, some weeks are better than others for many people, but you know, it's 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 been one constant part of our lives. Well, it's certainly necessary uh, in in these difficult times we live in. Thanks for joining us today, Hari. Absolutely. That concludes this episode of Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this program, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And tune in for our weekly markets update Friday morning, where leaders around the firm provide a quick take on the latest in markets. This podcast was recorded on Monday, June 15th, 2020. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.